Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, Season 7, Episode 14. Don't try to be like your mentors. Like, make sure that, like, you have your own personality and you're authentic with that. Because if you try to be somebody that you're not, your athletes will see right through it. And uh, let's be honest, like, nobody wants to be coached by somebody that comes in the room and is fake. They want, they want, they want authenticity and they want realness. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. This is the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Eric McMahon. It's football season. Let's take a look at strength and conditioning practices in college football. Today, our guest is UConn Director of Football Strength and Conditioning, Matt King. Matt, welcome. Appreciate you having me on, Eric, and, um, you know, looking forward to talking with you today and hopefully, uh, you know, you guys learning more about me and and me being able to also share a little bit on terms of how we do things here at University of Connecticut. Awesome. No, I've been meaning to have you on the podcast for for a while now. I remember I reached out and you had a, you had a baby on the way a while back, uh, but we're circling back on this. Happy to have you with us. You're at UConn, you had stops at UW, Velocity Sports Performance coming out of University of Maine. What inspired you to get into the strength and conditioning profession? For sure. Um, so like, you know, I, I'm gonna keep it as short as possible. But for me, like the biggest thing was I, you know, played sports in high school growing up. I grew up in the, in the Boston area. I was born and raised in Boston, went to high school outside the city um, at a high school called Stoughton High and then, um, played at the University of Maine. Um, was fortunate enough to get a scholarship there to play football there for four years. And during my time in high school is really where I learned more about strength and conditioning. I had the opportunity to train uh, with Mike Boyle's facility. Uh, he had a facility in Canton at the time, Massachusetts. And I trained there coming out of high school um, while I was in high school, excuse me. And then before I got to the University of Maine. So I had a, a high training age at a young age, um, whereas like I was exposed to a lot. Um, and then some of the principles I learned you know, when I was young, still putting into place uh, nowadays, training my own athletes. Uh, so then when I got to college, obviously, you know, during that time there, I kind of picked my strength coach's brain <laughs> every day. I was trying to figure out. I was always interested in, you know, how to, you know, the body works and more importantly, like, you know, how to increase performance. You know, I was never really a big X's and O's guys, like played the game, loved playing football, obviously played it at a very high level, was fortunate enough to um, being some NFL camps with the Steelers and the Jets and, you know, CFL, arena leagues, all that stuff. So um, been around football a long time. But during that whole process, I was always intrigued by how the body works. So, um, you know, had um, great strength coaches when I was in college. Um, my strength coach in college, uh, Will Bieberstein, he had a uh, Nebraska background, did his internship, uh, did his GA at Illinois, um, worked at Illinois and then was at um, did an internship, worked. Uh, under that Husker power. So like in terms of when I was in college, you know, it's like I went from, you know, training under Boyle when I was in high school, then you know, we was Husker power top style training when we was in college. And then um, when I got the fortunate enough opportunity to be able to play at the next level, I got introduced to a guy named Lauren Seagrave and Lauren Seagrave, uh, you know, outstanding track and field coach, um, got to train under him and he prepared me for my pro day and um, all my uh, training I did with him. In terms of being able to, you know, understand the test and the demands of, um, you know, what you're gonna what you're gonna get at pro day, uh, but more importantly, like just being able to uh, be a sounding board for me, like I was able to be a sponge with him and learn so much in terms of acceleration mechanics, max velocity mechanics, his whole velocity model, um, and in turn, like 
you know, that, that definitely, um, you know, springboarded, helped me springboard into, you know, wanting to do this at a high level and um, not in, in not stay on the, on the private side for so long. So, you know, I was fortunate enough that um, got the opportunity to uh, work at a velocity sports performance outside of Boston and Foxborough. That was my first experience um, as an assistant and then got elevated to the SPD, the sports performance director of the facility. Um, and in a short amount of time was able to make a big impact um, at that facility. And like, you know, I was able to work with some great coaches as well um, during that time that have moved on to the college level as well. Um, and then, you know, there, also biggest thing that's, that I learned was basically, you know, I was had, I felt like I had great communication skills because I was actually a communication um, undergraduate uh, major. And then in turn, when I had the opportunity to go back to the University of Maine and begin my coaching career and start my master's, I knew this is what I wanted to do. Um, I knew that I wanted to be in strength and conditioning and I wanted to um, work with high level athletes. And for me, it was an opportunity where I was actually, um, training kids at the uh, Velocity facility in Foxborough. And my former football coach was in the area recruiting. And he saw me, I was running like a third or fourth grade group of um, young ladies through, you know, uh, some agility drills. And he's like, hey man, you know, you know, you're doing this at a private facility. And he's like, I know you got your your combine guys, you know, you got your, your, you got your uh, adult clients, you got, you know, your high school kids, but you really need to be doing this at a high level with people on an everyday basis. I really feel like the college level or the pro level will be more suited towards your skill set. And I was like, well, coach, what do you think? He's like, man, you, need, you should come back to Maine and, and, and work as an assistant coach up here, be able to train, work under a guy named Dan Nickel. Coach Nickel, you know, the rest is history. I was able to learn, take that job up in Maine. And, um, you know, Coach Nickel put me, threw me right into the fire, um, was able to learn a ton in a short amount of time with him. Um, you know, he's done a great job in terms of, um, you know, being uh, very detail oriented, you know, understanding programming like he, he he taught me a lot in terms of just the organizational aspect of it. I had a lot of practical knowledge at the time, but I didn't really know how to put all of my practical knowledge on paper together and be organized with it. So um was able to learn a lot with him. And then in turn, during my time at Maine, um, you know, was fortunate enough to. Uh, get my master's and 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 gain a lot of experience with a lot of different sports. So I had the opportunity to work uh, with baseball, with softball, men's, women's basketball, track and field, um, women's soccer, um, football, you name it. So like seeing, seeing um, you know, all those different athletes and the different demands that they have on an everyday basis helped me become a better coach. And then in turn, some of my other mentors that I've had in the field, uh, Bob Gilmartin at Columbia, has done a great job. Um, he was at Rutgers for a long time. I worked with Bob at Columbia for one, for a year. You know, he worked at Rutgers under Jay Butler, and they've done, you know, he's done an outstanding job in his career. And then uh, when I got to the University of Washington, it's where I got to see it, just where I, it was football only. And Coach Tim Saha, Coach Saha did a great job in terms of helping me understand how to do this where – uh, I can have a staff of, you know, five assistants and or four assistants and myself and manage, um, you know, uh, manage a football staff. So to say, just working with one sport, that was the first uh, time that I got a chance to work with one sport and more importantly, see how to divvy up responsibilities and how to delegate and and utilize your staff uh, to the best of their abilities. But, you know, then that, and then that brought me to, you know, University of Connecticut where I'm at now. I know it was kind of a long winded uh, response, but it was you know, <laughs> kind of kind of my career and kind of like how I, you know, came about to being where I'm at right now. Now it's great hearing, hearing your coaching tree. You're a Northeast guy. 
sure. but you branched out and you saw some pretty high level programs uh, and worked with some really high level people in the field. There's some takeaways for our listeners there, young coaches that maybe want to break into the field. And uh, one thing I heard you say that I thought was uh, important was that you discovered the importance of strength and conditioning during your high school years. And you sort of alluded that maybe that isn't the most common path where collegiate strength and conditioning tends to be where a lot of first, second year college athletes get exposed to the weight room for the first time. Uh, do you see that uh, in your current role? Do you feel like athletes have as much preparation as you had uh, when you got to the college level? That's a great question. So like, I, I, I would definitely say that the high school strength and conditioning coach and more importantly, private facilities on that, on that, that deal with high school athletes are underutilized and undervalued. In my opinion, I feel like a lot of uh, development can take place during those young, uh, younger years where, um, you know, your, your training age is low. Um, but more importantly, you're like a sponge, you know, from that from that 14 to 18 year old range, in my opinion, you know, uh, having the opportunity to um, work. And then also like, you know, a lot of those facilities or, you know, programs, you get the opportunity to work with like I had the opportunity to work with collegiate level athletes during the summertime at Boyle. So like worked with, you know, deep division one hockey players and, and football players and, you know, everybody that was home on break uh, back then. So like. You know, seeing um, seeing the, seeing it done at, at at that level made me in turn realize that you know I I you know I can play at that level if I I can keep up with these guys training, but more importantly, like I just know that in terms of you know you talk about development and injury prevention all that that the the high school level is really where it's at in terms of being able to because it makes it makes the collegiate it makes my job easier at the college level and then in turn like. You know, my job is to make it better at the at the pro level. So when they when they when they when they're playing and making money doing it, you know, it's um it's it's easier on on that strength coach at the pro level as well. So um you know every everything is a building block in my opinion, and I feel like um if your base isn't strong, then obviously like you're not going to um it, it, you're going to be at a um behind in terms of you know where where everybody else is at in the long run. So I feel like you know having that training age and being able to um being able to have a high training age by the time you get to me is very beneficial. Yeah. Pushing that four year developmental window window to an eight year developmental yeah. window or, or beyond that. I love that, that approach. development. And like, that's definitely, you know, um, the ideal situation, ideal scenario. For sure. I like how I like that thought because a lot of times when we talk about LTAD, it's, it's youth or it's older populations, but it's, not the college, the college age is where we do most, I'd say most of the field was founded. And there was a lot of, um, there's a lot of building blocks, as you said, within college strength and conditioning that uh, gets out into the rest of the field. And so, yeah, there is definitely a long-term athlete development thought process there. And I, I like that you said that. Uh, I want to ask you about your approach to training. You're working at the Division One level. UConn wasn't always a uh, Division One uh, top conference football program, but really put themselves on the map over the years and is is gaining some momentum. How do you approach training with with your athletes? I am fortunate enough. 
um, that we have, you know, outstanding facilities where that we can utilize to train our athletes in. It all comes down to, you know, you can only do do oh so much with the space you have. You have to be able to utilize the equipment you have, the space you have, and the resources that you have. So at UConn, um, you know, we got a power five operation in terms of facilities. Like it's outstanding um, in terms of, you know, um, what we have at our hands and disposal, um, technology wise, equipment wise, and then also, you know, nutrition wise. So training wise, um, I'm able to do some things also with my staff where, you know, we can delegate and kind of divvy up some training responsibilities. So um, I, I would say like, you know, the biggest thing that we've done during the four or five years that I've been here now is be able to, you know, have a levels based system in terms of our training. So, you know, guys, when they come in, you know, they're, they're, it's it's based off their training age. So, um, you know, when they come in, you know, we assess them and evaluate them. And then we have, you know, four different levels and each one of my assistants takes a level. Um, so, they, you know, one, it creates ownership in the program with my assistants. Um, you know, level one being uh, being our, you know, incoming first year bridge program guys and level four being our, you know, third, fourth, fifth year guys, some six year guys that have, um, you know, been in the program either for a long time here or with the transfer portal bid somewhere else and had came in with a high training age and we were able to um, insert them into a higher training program. But I feel like, you know, it's beneficial. You, you got to train that way nowadays um, in terms of being able to keep athletes um, developing, more importantly, keep them healthy. You know, everybody can't be doing the same thing. Um, those days are long gone. So, um, you know, the, the levels-based system is where it's at. And, you know, a, a ton of people do it nowadays. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's hard to find a program that doesn't have a levels-based system um, where they, you know, divvy up programming. But I will say, like, being at UConn, I've got a staff where I can utilize them and um, they can all take ownership over the program in terms of designing those programs. So, you know, and then, and then uh, me, as I always call it, I'm the generalist, I have specialists. So, like, I kind of oversee the whole operation. And then, um, in turn, I still do program. But at the end of the day, we all need to agree on everything um, that we do, whether it's on-field movement or weight room-wise. You mentioned the transfer portal. There's a lot of uh, new things in the college landscape. What are some of the trends you're seeing in our field? And where do you hope our field is headed? Sure. So, I mean, let's be honest, the transfer portal is here to stay. Um, it's not going nowhere. So you got to learn how to utilize it and utilize it to your benefit. So um, at UConn, being a program that isn't a power five school or a group of five school right now as an independent, um, we get poached a lot. Like, so we are, I would say we're a developmental program. So we'll develop guys. And then in turn, those guys will get poached from NIL deals and whatnot and be able to, um, make that jump to the power five level. Um, but in turn, it can, it, it hurts the, our, our, um, roster because, you know, we spend two, three, four years developing a guy. And then in turn, um, the next school gets the ready-made product. So what our selling point is, you know, you come in here, we're going to develop you. If you, if you, if we can, um, if we can keep you for four years, great. But like at the end of the day, it's almost like you you have to flip your model as a as a as a group of five school or an FCS school. You have to flip your model where it's like almost like a JUCO model where you 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 know you get an athlete for two years or three years, develop them, and then in turn if they're um you know they graduate and want to move on, cool, and you know that's not, that's how the portal's supposed to be used. But if they want to stay, they can stay. But more importantly, like. We are we're never going to get a ready-made product at a school like UConn. We're going to get a develop, and I, and I feel like in turn, 
it makes your job more enjoyable, more fulfilling um, when you get a, when you get an athlete um, who has had a low training age, maybe not that experienced um, training-wise, novice to the weight room, novice to training, and you can take them from, you know, what they are as a freshman and then grow them into, you know, a grown woman or a grown man. Like, that's the, that's the, that's what's exciting about this job, you know, seeing their athletes change. Like, and, um, you know, I, I said this a couple of weeks back, but I had a opportunity this year to see my first graduating class. It's not often that you see, um, you know, you're at a spot long enough to be able to see uh, a class of, of athletes graduate. Um, and then I, you know, I, I see to see them from when they came in as freshmen to see what they are now as as grown adults. It's it's outstanding in terms of how they change their mindset training wise. More importantly, like, you know, you got a lot of these guys are going to have opportunities to play at the next level, too, as well. So um, just in terms of development, I feel like at a school like, like UConn, a smaller school where, um, you know, you're 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 not gonna get your ready-made guys. You're not gonna get your five-star guys, so to say. It's more fulfilling because of the fact that you know you got to be able to develop, and it, it's kind of like that high school strength and conditioning coach, where like you know you're you got somebody that's you know sponge, and you just you know you're, you 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 got to mold them. They're not already molded, so it makes our job more exciting, definitely more challenging, but it um in turn it makes it more rewarding because of the fact that. Uh, you see the progress that has been made over time. Yeah, uh, but to your point, at a school like UConn, really no better place for this developmental approach than than UConn. You have so many resources, great strength and conditioning coaches across all the departments there. I think of the kinesiology department, the amount of research. Do you get to uh, spread your wings yep. beyond football a little sure. bit? Yeah, so we got great relationships across um, all departments. The nice thing about it here is, like, I can go and I can walk across the street to see Coach Hootie in, in the basketball facility. And, um, you know, I've worked with women's basketball at times over there, and I've worked with baseball here with Coach DeMarco and, you know, hot men's ice hockey with, with Coach Mo Butler. So we all can, like, the way it's set up, you know, we have five or six weight rooms here on campus, and the way that it's all set up, you know, I, I can take a program from Coach Mo and I can – go work with hockey or she can take a football program and come cover football for me. Um, you know, we all collaborate on a lot of things too, as well, in terms of like being able to collaborate with our kinesiology department on campus. We have great relationships with them. Um, you know, we've been able to, to uh, do uh, pair up with, um, you know, our, our, um, our kinesiology department pair up with them in terms of like our at first year athlete assessment, athlete assessment when they first come into the program, um, been able to do some special things um, uh, research wise with them. And then also, you know, the Corey Stringer Institute is right across the street too as well. So like, you know, just in terms of, and then my, the coaches that have come through here, like, you know, I, I, I'd be amiss to not mention coach um, Jerry Martin. So like coach Martin was in the field for a very long time and has made a huge impact on coaches that are still coaching today. Um, you know, we, we've got, you know, we've got his mural on the wall here in this weight room, also in the field house weight room, but more importantly, like, you know, the, the tried principles that, you know, he, that he, uh, you know, established are still being used to this day. And like coaches that he influenced are still here to this day. Um, so his influence is still being felt at this university too, as well. Um, and, and in terms like also the, you know, the quality of interns that we get, we get high quality interns with Springfield College being right up the street. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a great environment to learn in. 
in as a coach to grow in, um, whether, you know, you're a paid assistant all the way down to our interns. So like um, we all bounce ideas off each other, very humble environment, um, you know, and then we all work together because we all at the end of the day are, are, are working towards the same goal. Lots of history at UConn, definitely one of the more forward thinking institutions as it relates to strength and conditioning and really the growth of where we're at today with with sports science and some of the more technological areas that have taken the field. I want to ask you about having a family in the strength and conditioning profession. How do you all, how do you make it work as a as a coach, a husband, a father and and everything else that you do? And so yeah, you got to wear multiple hats, man. It's, it's 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 been very rewarding in the fact that you know my staff has been very helpful. This entire you know sports performance staff, you know with with uh, with Mo Butler on the Olympic side and the market, all these like, every, we all kind of work together. So like if um for example like if I'm I'm in my office, you know Coach Mo will come by. She's like, hey, you can read that book at home, or you can go home, go home and spend time with your family. Do not guard your desk, you know. So um, we got an environment here where um, we kind of police each other in terms of making sure that you know we we cover each other and um, they're spending you're spending time with your family first and foremost because like you know jobs come and go. Your family's always going to be there for you and they're going to need you, um, you know, in good times and bad times. So like. Uh, for me, like having a, you know, I got a two-year-old and I got a 15-year-old stepdaughter. So it's like, I've got two ends of the spectrum when I come home and I got to be able to turn it on and be able to, uh, you know, be, be dad and then, you know, turn coach mode off. But it's funny because coach mode is still on sometimes when I get home and my 15 <laughs> playing, she's playing volleyball and softball, you know, basketball, she's playing all these sports. And, you know, sometimes I have to go into coach mode with her. Uh, when I'm at home and then, you know, my, my two-year-old is bouncing off the wall cause she's a toddler now. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I, and I, and my wife, you know, she's the rock star of the family. She holds it down. Um, you know, when I'm, when I'm at work for, you know, 15 hours a day. So like, you know, it, it's great in terms of, um, you know, having this, my one, my, my wife, I have an outstanding wife who understands, like, I love what I do and, um, she's able to support, us and our family um, in that endeavor. And then also I have a great support network in terms of my assistants on my staff and all this, this, the entire sports performance department here kind of looking out for each other um, in terms of making sure that like, well, yeah, we're taking care of business in the weight room and on the field, but we're also taking care of business at home. Um, we hold each other, you know, accountable with that. Yeah, that's important, man. Uh, finding that balance, if it exists, just doing your best to make it make it meaningful on all fronts, uh, you know, kids, your athletes, uh, you have a great support system there at UConn. And uh, it's, it's great to hear that perspective. And maybe it's something we don't ask enough in our profession, the, the family aspect, but uh, it is very important. Right. And I would say this, this is another thing I want to add on is like, you got to find a significant other. It took me a long time. You know, you got to find a significant other that understands that, um, you know, understands the, the profession and more so like what they're getting into. So like making sure that they understand that, you know, one, um, you're going to be like, yes, w work is going to be very demanding at times. There are going to be downtimes. But I don't call it work. It's a life. It's not a job. It's a lifestyle. I always tell my interns that like this is a lifestyle. Athletics are a lifestyle. They're not jobs. You know, it's uh, jobs is when, in my in my opinion, the job is like you come and you punch the clock. This is a lifestyle because you know you're 
you work unorthodox hours. Sometimes you work in holidays. Sometimes you work in weekends. Sometimes you don't you don't get back from a game until three o'clock in the morning. And you're right back in the facility. So it's a lifestyle. And if your um, wife or your husband doesn't understand the lifestyle that is athletics, then you, they're going to have a tough go. So um, making sure that they understand the lifestyle, obviously it helps if they were a former athlete themselves or um, more importantly that they you know, they have a career where they're flexible and able to move as well. I'm fortunate enough, my wife's a nurse. So, um, you know, with, 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 uh, you know, the volatility of jobs and having to move and whatnot, um, I know that, you know, she'll always have employment wherever we're living at, you know, so that, that's, a, that's another uh, positive too, as well, um, is being able to, you know, have a partner that's flexible with that, you know? Yeah, no, L love that perspective and love that you, uh, share about not just your coaching, but, you know, the family aspect with so much passion because you, you really have to uh, approach the family in the field. And, in a, like you said, it's a lifestyle. You have to approach it with the same level of energy and, and enthusiasm that we bring to our coaching. Uh, it's uh, no, it's really important. Appreciate you sharing that. Want to ask about advice, you know, a lot of coaches would love to run a division one football program one day. Uh, they look at your position and it's, it's definitely one of those roles that uh, holds a lot of notoriety in our, in our field. Uh, what, a, you know, what advice do you have for those coaches? Yeah, not the biggest advice, the big, biggest advice that I can say is just be authentic, be you. So like a lot of times coaches will, young coaches will try to emulate you know, every you sh one first and foremost, you should have a men mentor or people that you can call and you know bounce ideas off. Um, but like, don't try to be like your mentors. Like, make sure that like you have your own personality and you're authentic with that. Because if you try to be somebody that you're not, your athletes will see right through it. And uh, let's be honest, like nobody wants to be coached by somebody that comes in the room and is fake. You want to, they want, they want authenticity and they want realness. So um, one being authentic, you know, just um, making sure that, you know, you're understanding you're a teacher first and foremost. Yes, we're coaches, but we're teachers. Um, so, you know, that aspect never, you never need to never, you never can forget that aspect is, you know, we can, we need to consistently be teaching. So with that being said, you know, just because somebody gives you a program doesn't mean you can take that program and just hand it to somebody else. You have to be able to teach that program and be able to understand it in its entirety um, because our athletes are more informed than ever nowadays. This is the age where, you know, with social media um, and, and all the, um, you know, and internet, they can look up anything and they want to know the why behind everything you do. And you should be able to explain the why behind everything you do and explain it thoroughly where they can understand it and they can go reiterate it back to their folks why they're, you know, why, why they're doing what they're doing training wise. And then, you know, other, the other thing is, you know, just being, being humble, stay humble, you know, don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to fail and don't be afraid to uh, step outside your comfort zone, but also, you know, stay hungry, stay on the, on the path of, you know, consistently learning. I feel like, um, you know, a lot of times you can get stagnant in terms of what you're doing. It's like, I'm, you know, I want, I don't want a bunch of Matt Kings on staff. I want people that are bring something different to the table than me. So it's like, you know, as a young coach, try to figure out what makes you different from the next um, man or woman and how that can set you apart 
um, in the hiring process. So like, um, you know, when we can sit down and I can sit down and program or talk um, with my staff, you know, we can bounce ideas and we're not all bouncing the same ideas off each other. That is, that is, um, that's, that's definitely beneficial for young coaches. And then, um, you know, just being able to, um, have that work ethic, you know, like, no, like being able to, to make the, make the people around you make their jobs easier. So like, um, you know, when, when stuff breaks, so you see something that needs to be done, um, just go ahead and do it. Don't be a person that has to be told to go ahead and do something. I'd rather like, have someone that's, you know, that's more of a go-getter and is going to go try and get something done on their own and have somebody that's going to sit on their hands and wait um, because they're not making my job easier if I have to go and tell you to do something every time. So just being, um, you know, having that that attitude where, you know, I'm going to go get this done and I'm going to show, I'm, you know, I'm going to help coach out and then, you know, make his job, make his life easier, you know. So that 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 would be, um, those, those would be some of my, my tidbits and my, my gems for, you know, young coaches looking to get in the field. That's Matt King, UConn, Director of Football Strength and Conditioning. Thanks for being on today, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. I hope uh, hoping I ramble on too much. Hope you guys were able to take some tidbits and, you know, feel free to reach out if you guys have any questions for sure. Hey, what's the best way for them to do that? We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, now, nah, best way to reach out to me is on social media, Coach underscore M King on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, and then, uh, you know, also, uh, you know, you can shoot me an email, um, at matthew.2.king at uconn.edu, um, as well. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always open to, uh, you know, people that are in the area that want to come observe, um, if you're in the area and you want to do an internship, well, we have running internships too, as well, where I'm trying to, you know, teach, we're trying to grow the field and, and make sure that, you know, young coaches understand the demands of, um, what it is at this level. And you're going to be exposed at, at the University of Connecticut to not just football, you know, all the other sports that we have here as well um, in terms of, you know, development as well. So appreciate the time, definitely. You got it. Lots of opportunity at the University of Connecticut. Thanks everyone for tuning in and a special thanks to Soranex Exercise Equipment. We appreciate their support. Hi, this is Ivan Lewis, head strength conditioning coach at the Seattle Seahawks. Thanks for listening to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts to have the latest episodes delivered right to you. Also, take your career forward by joining the NSCA's Registered Strength Conditioning Coach Program. Learn more about becoming an RSCC at nsca.com slash rscc. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.